Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. This is our first of 2021. We took a little break for a little while during the holidays. While we were gone, we revived the Sports Plus brand on TV. So every Sunday night, we're giving you more content than ever. Some great stories, great interviews. I'll talk a little more about that later. Uh, we're also going to try and stay on more of a schedule with the podcast in 2021. So you can look for new episodes to release every Tuesday morning, uh, every week, hopefully. That's the plan. So today we got almost a full house. We got Frank Cusimano, Hannah Yates, and Andy Muller in today. We're just missing mod. He's going to catch us next time, he says. Let's get right to what is has all, everybody in St. Louis so excited this week. I didn't really realize how much I miss hockey until the last couple of weeks as the Blues opening uh, day starts to get here, but I cannot wait to Wednesday. Uh, I am so excited to see the Blues. What are you guys thinking? We were going to try to be nice here and let Hannah go first. Go ahead, Hannah. <laughs> I am really looking forward to it. I know. I mean, I've missed them. I've, I can tell you the last time they were on the ice, I've been counting down the days till they come back, but there's just so many new pieces to the team this year. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I just think there's that same identity kind of enhanced. So I think that there's a lot of things that we can despite all of the changes um, with a different type of format. I still think it's going to be an exciting time. So they've lost key guys. We've talked about this all the time. They lost Alex Petrangelo, no Jay Bowmeister, no Alex Steen. So they're going to look different, but the depth is stronger than ever. Just today they had to put a couple guys Mackenzie McEachern, Jacob De La Rose on waivers because they got so many guys to deal with. It just seems like the depth keeps coming and coming. Frank Doug Armstrong really knows how to work the system there, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think it's a credit to Tom Stillman, too. The cap, I believe, is like $81.5 million. But if you factor in what they're actually going to be paying Alexander Steen to not play because of the injury, and who knows – you know, what they get out of Vladimir Tarasenko this year, that's, you know, that could be another combined like $11 million. So the owner is not worried about, you know, the dimes. He's worried about winning another Stanley Cup. Look, let's face it. They had basically $4 million to spend to get a sniper. And they got a guy with 65 goals in the last two years in Mike Hoffman. I just think uh, the front office of the St. Louis Blues is as good as we've seen in St. Louis in a long, long time. Who, who can I ask? You know, I mean, you have to re re read deep into the rule books and the, the bylaws or whatever to come up with that rule that, you know, that allowed Doug Armstrong to bring Hoffman into camp on a tryout basis. And then, uh, and then, you know, he could just work out with him. Of course, that guy just could have left at any time or, or, or another, but basically bided his time until he could sign him to a contract. Well, yeah, without the pandemic, Mike Hoffman was going to get probably a pretty sizable deal for his talents, but everything's been tossed upside down. Just going to try and buy this year out and, and make his value go up there again. And the blues are going to be the beneficiaries of it. And they're probably going to need it. Uh, Hannah, you did a deep dive into one of the new additions, Corey Krug, and his fit with the team. Just how much are fans going to love this guy? It seems like a perfect fit. It is a perfect fit. In my opinion, I think he's the full package. He's that dominant left, 
left-sided defenseman that the Blues have needed to balance the ice. He's physical. He can shoot the puck from the blue line. He has a strong transition game. However, I think we all know that one of the areas Doug Armstrong really wanted to improve this offseason was the power play. And Krug tied for six in power play points last season with 28 third in the league in assists with 26 because of that quarterbacking ability. And now you compare that with a Mike Hoffman or a Vladimir Tarasenko when he returns from injury. And this team just got a whole lot better with the man advantage and at full strength, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, the Blues already had a great power play, and they bring in Mike Hoffman and Tori Krug, two of the best in the league. Uh, so they got uh, some expectations there, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Frank, we know, though, this team looks solid top to bottom, but there's no safety netting goal with Jake Allen anymore. I don't know if they totally know what they're going to get out of Huso if he ends up being the backup, which it certainly looks yeah, like. And, you know, how, even, big is, how big is Jordan Bennington this year? Is it really the Bennington well, year, how far he can go? I think he's the most important athlete in St. Louis sports in 2021. I think Dylan Carlson may be a close second, but let's face it, without really knowing much about Billy Huso, if Jordan Bennington is just average, then it's over. Uh, now, you have like a body of work where you have that glorious Stanley Cup run, you have the 30 wins in the All-Star game, and then you have the clunker, you know, in the bubble. Which, which one are we going to get? I, I tend to be optimistic and think th the guy can't be that icy cool and that good for that long of a stretch and just be a guy. But there are examples you know, in the history of hockey where guys, especially goaltenders, get hot for a stretch and then they become just a guy. But he, he's got to be more than just a guy, and I think he will be. So the Blues going to be playing all of their games in the new West division for this 56-game season. A lot of late games. We got a little bit lucky. It's not going to be quite as bad as, as it could have been, especially for uh, a producer like Andy there having to cut, cut video and crank down to the wire to get him on TV. But they got some tough customers in Colorado and Vegas. Uh, I kind of think they lucked out, though, because uh, four teams are going to make the playoffs from each division. And the Blues are easily one of those top four teams in the West. Andy, how do you think their schedule uh, lines up for the Blues in the West this year? Well, you know, those uh, those West Coast trips aren't going to be as daunting as, as they have been in the past, uh, you know, because I – think LA and and San Jose. San Jose is, is, is good, but they're not as, as good as they've been in years past. LA is not as good as in, as in years past. So where you might have a little bit of trepidation, oh my gosh, we got a West Coast swing coming up. Uh, I think that's definitely going to, uh, going to help them out this year. Yeah, there should be some. I'm excited for the Petrangelo matchups and I'm excited for it kind of feeling like a baseball season where you're going to play somebody and then you get to see them right again. So I think we could have some little, uh, obviously the blues have some decent rivalries with some of these teams already, but we could get a little bit of animosity here brewing over a couple games. If uh, they start to dust it up. Uh, let's look. Okay. Last thing blues wise, let's go around the panel here. Pick our, our guy to watch this year, the player we're most interested to see, maybe not the most important, but just if this guy shows up, it could be a huge thing. And we already talked about Jordan Biddington, so you can't use him. Hannah, uh, who you got? I'll take an easy round. I'm just going to go with Mike Hoffman. I think this is a crucial piece this year, especially until Vladimir Tarasenko returns. You had, to, you had to add some sort of offensive threat back there to score some goals to get that point total up. And the Blues somehow managed to do that without him last season. But I think you saw certain glimpses where 
it was one part of the team having to carry a game. It wasn't a consistent effort, a full contribution. So I think adding someone like that um, will make a really big difference. And I'm just excited to see how that plays out offensively for this team. Frank? You know, I'm going to go with uh, Zach Sanford. I think we know what we're going to get out, out of most of the veterans' goal totals. But, you know, Sanford had that scintillating stretch late in the season where he was scoring a goal a game. I've always loved his potential. And I think in a, a basically a full season, I think we're going to see this guy, if he scores in the 20s, this is going to be a really special team to have, you know, a guy on the third line being that, that destructive. Andy? I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with a fairly obvious choice, but uh, nonetheless, he's mine. I'm going to go with Tory Krug. I mean, I think he, you know, not only, you know, is, does, is, does he have the feistiness? Um, I think he's got a little enough of an attitude with him that he probably, you know, feels a little bit in the back of his head that he, that he wants to make the fans forget Alex Petrangelo. So, I mean, I think he's going to be motivated to kick it up an extra gear. And I think if he doesn't lead the league in power play points, it'll only be because Mike Hoffman, uh, you know, outscores him and proves uh, feeding him the puck too much. Uh, so I'm going to go with him. There are so many little interesting plots for like each of these guys. I said in the rundown, I was going to take Robert Thomas, but now I've already gone back in myself. I think Justin Falk is, is this is a huge season because we saw last year did not go well and fans and maybe even the blues having a little buyer's remorse. Uh, he was better down the stretch, but this is a huge year for him. He was supposed to step up and be the Petrangelo guy. If they wouldn't have gotten a Tory crew. Uh, now they've doubled their insurance, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, but he's still a huge piece. And I think, I think he's going to turn it around this year. I think he's going to have a better season. He's, he's here for a year. He knows he's going to be here for a while because they're not moving him. They're not moving all that money probably. So I think this is a huge year for Justin Falk, and I think uh, he's going to capitalize. Let's move on. Let's talk the Cardinals, and there's not a whole lot to talk about here, but they're the Cardinals, and that's what owns the town. So we got to talk about the Cardinals. Frank, I did like your commentary Sunday night on Yachty and the Cardinals needing to come together. How much do you think that relationship might be at least a little bit frayed now? This is drug on longer than – it was supposed to, I think. Well, I don't know if I've ever seen any negotiation, you know, even here at Channel 5, where the first offer received by the talent, you say, boy, that's really great. I'm going to do this. So I just don't want it to get acrimonious where we start hearing insulted and, you know, ridiculous and I'm an you know, I'm really ticked off about, I just hope it doesn't get to that. And that, you know, Yachty's made $154 million. I hope he realizes that, you know, he'll be okay for the rest of his life. They can give him a one-year deal. And if he plays well again, give him, bring him back next year. I think that's what it's going to come to because frankly, Yachty is probably running out of options. Yeah. The, the Yankees look to be sticking with Gary Sanchez. The Mets got, James McCann in there. Uh, I don't think the White Sox can make that happen. They want Grandall to catch, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, he might be running out of options. Hannah, if you're John Mosellock right now, what's well, he might be a little hamstrung by uh, how they're doling out money. But if you're John Mosellock, what's one thing you think you need to address right now? Sorry, I lost you. I lost you on that last part there. 
if you're General Zalak and you have to do one thing right now to kind of tide over the fan base, other than other than Molina and maybe Wainwright, I think is the obvious ones. Is there something you got to do right now? I was going to say those two. I mean, honestly, at the forefront, you think of anything right now, what any fans thinking, I think those are the two pieces. I don't know if there's really, there's other things that I think you could do, but it's Wainwright's an obvious answer to me outside of the Molina. I think that Wainwright is someone, these are two core pieces of your franchise. I think people are going to be equally upset if they would just take one or the other at this point. I don't feel like there's that option the way that it's kind of been portrayed that it could be just one or the other. I think this is kind of a two package deal at this point. So the one thing working for the Cardinals is that the rest of the NL Central doesn't seem too interested in getting better either. So they could keep the same team and be competitive for an NL Central title and probably win it in the next year, a couple of years. The Cubs are totally tearing things down. You Darvish is gone. Kyle Schwarber just signed with the Nats. There's Chris Bryant rumors every day. Andy, I, I hate, I hate this. Honestly, I'm starting to want to root for the Padres and the Mets because they're the only teams that seem to want to go for anything, but it's good for the Cardinals, I guess. Yeah. You know, if, if there, if there was a year that, you know, that I'm not saying forgive, but if there was a year where you could kind of overlook the fact that the Cardinals aren't doing anything, it would be this year because everybody else is either standing in place or, taking a couple of steps backward. Now, granted, there's another month or so until spring training starts. And so I would suspect that certainly by the end of the month, things are going to kind of start picking up and, and then maybe we might be able to kind of comb through the dust a little bit and, and uh, see where people are going to land. But, uh, you know, I, again, you know, who knew that standing in place would, would be the best strategy at this point? For sure. Let's move on. Another topic. Let's talk some hoops. And it's been a little bit depressing. Uh, two of our big three teams we talk about on pause, SLU, Mizzou, and now Illinois game on Wednesday was postponed against Nebraska, I think it was. Not because of COVID with Illinois, but COVID with their opponent. Frank, uh, the Billikens, we should be getting kind of close to them practicing at least soon, shouldn't we? It's been about two weeks. Well, all I can say is when... Uh... When this initially happened, I got a call from somebody in the program and they said, it's going to be six games. So I tweeted that out and all these people are getting so ticked off. What do you mean six games? It's going to take too long. Well, it's going to be six games. They're not going to come back to the 23rd. And let me tell you something. Travis doesn't want to come back until they're ready. Um, I think they're all out of uh, the isolation hotel, but I, I, you know, that there was a game on the 20th. I think it's going to be the 23rd and it will be, I think, six games. But in the meantime, they're still 24th in the country. Um, and here's the amazing thing is that every program in our area, SIU Edwardsville, SIU Carbondale, SLU, Mizzou, Southeast Missouri State, any program within two hours of St. Louis has been wiped out by COVID-19 for a while. I, you and I talked about this. They got to be... I mean, they were vigilant already, and you can't do anything. Uh, we've, it doesn't matter how careful you are. Uh, this is going to get you at some point. But if this were to happen to them again, and they had to shut it down, what would it do to the outlook of their season? Yeah, if you were to miss another six or seven, that would be tough. But, I mean, if they're really successful, if they're, let's just say, they're at 14-2 and two at the end of the season, they're 7-1 and one now, and they're – you know, their RPI is high. They're 24th in the country. 
uh, th- I think they'd get in. But you're right. You, you want to avoid any more three-week layoffs. That would you know, be really interesting if we're seeing like an Ohio State situation where teams have wiped out, barely played any games, but still that we know they're one of the best teams in the country that get put in. Andy, were you saying something? Well, I, I was just thinking that that how, you know, of all the, the indicators of this being, you know, the, the COVID, year of COVID or, or whatever, you know, the fact that, that Mizzou gets into the top 25, you know, the climb to 13, SLU, you know, gets into the top 25. They don't, they haven't played for two weeks. They've dropped one spot in the rankings. Normally, you know, that would be the kind of thing, well, well, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to rank these guys anymore. They're not playing or whatever. But the fact that they've managed to stay in the top, all three schools are in the top 25. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that as a, as a good thing to come from the COVID, uh, COVID year. Yeah, Mizzou had a bad, terrible blown loss. I was yelling at the TV to Mississippi State the other day and then got paused because of COVID and they're still 17th. Hannah, I, I've, I assume you've been watching a lot of Mizzou basketball like me too since we're Tigers there. If this team just had a shooter, they'd be pretty deadly. Uh, but they have been fun to watch so far. What's, uh, what's your Mizzou takeaway on the, on the basketball season so far? Honestly, I just never thought I would be in a season where Missouri basketball would be so exciting in a year like 2020, <laughs> especially now we're in 2021. But I was bummed to see, I mean, the Mississippi State game, that was an ugly loss. I mean, let's just be honest, there's another way to put it. Um, but I did feel like they were gaining some momentum right before that. They're getting that momentum back after the loss. And then they lose to Mississippi State. Now COVID hits. And so you kind of wonder how a team rebounds in consistent games after that. You you wonder what that is going to be like in terms of gaining that momentum again. I think this team just has a lot of different pieces. And when you see a Jeremiah Tillman and, and certain guys stepping up um, into more of a role in different ways, I just feel like it's very helpful um, he's been fun to watch for me just to watch the big guy out there really do some things on the court has been fun and, and just seeing Missouri basketball come back. All right, that's the horn. Last thing before we end this portion of the podcast, new little segment we're going to try called final buzzer. Uh, it was a pretty fun week of football. Uh, I saw Frank's tweet how he wasn't moving all, all Sunday to order unless to order some pizza. And I, I, uh, I related to that. I, it was it was a great show. I hope the NFL keeps this format with three playoff games on Saturday and Sunday for Wild Card Weekend. Obviously, some better than others. We'll go around the horn. What stuck out to everybody? And give me your uh, predictions the rest of the way, Andy. Uh, you know, I think um, the thing the thing that stuck, stuck out. It, go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go. Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me is the it was the game televised on the on Nickelodeon. Um, you know, I I thought it was, you know, it well it took me back to my kids, you know, growing up years and 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 whatever. And you know, the fact that that um, the NFL can kind of, of course, you know, while they're raking money in hand over fist, but you know, they can kind of poke fun at themselves a little bit and allow themselves to be on a network where you, you know, the, the slime cannons go off when, you know, when somebody scores a touchdown, you know, or whatever. Um, I think they, they know how to make money. And I think they realize the fact that, um, 
you know, that this is an opportunity to open up the eyes of a, of a brand new generation and start getting them indoctrinated the NFL way. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more of that to come. Uh, I agree with you, Corey, that, um, uh, that I like the format. I like the three games on Saturday and the three games on Sunday. Um, I think if there's an opportunity to continue to make money off of it, the NFL will figure out a way to figure out a way to keep it going. Um, and as far as, uh, as far as who goes on to, to win it, um, until you tell me differently, I'm, I'm sticking with the chiefs, you know, they've had some close games, but, uh, um, you know, I, I think until you knock them off the top of the mountain, I think they're I think they're the they're the team to beat. Frank, what stuck out to me was um, the very first game played was an Indianapolis Colt team that played as close to perfection as I've seen them play all season long, where they became the first team in history to have 400 and 450 yards of total offense and no turnovers and still lose the game. And how efficient and how great Philip Rivers was, and they still lost it. That gives you an idea just how good the Buffalo Bills are. And I know in this area, there's a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans, and there should be. But I'm telling you, there's a team that can beat the Chiefs, and I think it's, it's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I can't wait if and when we get to that AFC Championship game, because that is going to be unbelievable. Hannah? I think it's just for me, it's kind of playing off of what both of you have said, but I think this year has been different in the sense that you just have a mix of teams that you haven't in so long, and you're just seeing kind of a shift in the league with, it, it just provides more excitement in the past for me. So, I mean, like the Bills, like you mentioned, their first playoff appearance and win since 1995, and then you have um, the Browns beating the Steelers. There's just a lot of excitement with some of these franchises and just seeing the way that people have been able to react um, and have attention to the league. And like Andy said, with the Nickelodeon adding that, I just feel like there's more of a hype of a way, even during a time like a COVID-19 pandemic where there's this excitement in the league and, and just great football as well. But going back to that, I know the Chiefs, for me, I just feel like that's the team to watch right now. Um, and I just feel like they're above the West, just the way that we've seen with Alabama and college football. I think it's kind of the same storyline this season, but I am excited to see some of that competition moving forward. I tell you, my favorite moment of the weekend was that Lamar Jackson run. Uh, I audibly yelled because I don't think I've ever seen somebody switch into another gear that fast when he broke through the line and looked like he was going to get taken down. That was one of the craziest runs I've ever seen. I actually, I don't, I don't audibly react to games very much, but I yelled when I saw him hit that second gear. I'm glad he got a win, but Frank, I'm with you. I want to see the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl and sorry to the Chiefs fans, but it's uh, that it, we've kind of on a roll of teams that have never won or it's been a long time uh, since they've won. I think the Bills would be a great story, even though they're crazy fans wouldn't get to see it in person. Uh, I'm hoping Buffalo can keep rolling. So that will do it for our chat segment with everybody. And now we're going to move on to something new we're going to try with the podcast in 2021. We're going to give you the full uncut interview, biggest interview we do each week. Some of the biggest names in St. Louis sports, entertainment, you name it. We hear pieces from these interviews every Sunday night on Sports Plus, but we'll give you the whole thing here as well. This week, Frank Cusimano chatted with the one and only St. Louis loving Hollywood star, John Hamm. 
They talk about some high school memories at John Burroughs, John's life in Hollywood, his love for the blues, and his affection for all things St. Louis. So here's John Hammond Frank on this week's headline conversation. Huey Lewis once said that all entertainers would like to be athletes and athletes would like to be entertainers. So if I offer you you being Yadier Molina for a year, would you take it? Uh, at what point in his career? Because I don't, I don't <laughs> think I want his knees in his back right now. <laughs> How about uh, the prime of his career? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, Yachty's woven into the fabric of St. Louis like very few people have been over the years. And he's a, he's a fan favorite for a reason. He's the, he's the backbone and heart and soul of that club. And just especially watching this, as, as weird as baseball in 2020 was, watching Yachty and Wayno have one uh, one more turnaround uh, and have it be so successful was pretty pretty spectacular. So for sure, I'd I'd trade places with him. He'd, I think he'd probably never give it back. <laughs> so I understand you play catcher in your men's league and you have a rocket arm. How do you manage your pitching staff and how do you hit? <laughs> well, to be fair, that's that that was a while ago. I think I've I've done what most catchers end up doing when they go to die is I go play first base now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did play for a while. It, it's, uh, you know, age creeps up on me. I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on the big five Oh here. So I've got to, I got to watch out the way, uh, the, how many, how many times I kneel down, especially <laughs> in a, in a men's league where, you know, half the, half the uh, crowd is under 30. Uh, but no, it's, it's always fun. You know, that's why I love being a catcher when I was for as long as I was, because I knew, uh, unlike most places, most positions in baseball, you're involved in every in every play, you know, pretty much, and uh, you get to see the whole field. So, it's uh, it's a really it's a really exciting and difficult uh, aspect, not only physically but mentally. Speaking of catchers, I remember uh, seeing you at Ballpark Village when Ted Simmons went into the Cardinal Hall of Fame. What did Ted Simmons mean to you in your life? Well, growing up, uh, uh, their family was very close with mine, and, and uh, their oldest son, John, uh, was my best friend growing up. We went to school at, at John Burroughs together, and uh, he was kind of my first friend there. I didn't know a lot of kids that went to Burroughs. I, I grew up on the north side of town, so I didn't, I didn't have a lot of friends from my grade school that, that had the opportunity to go to Burroughs. And uh, John and I became really good friends, still are good friends. He lives in Australia now with his family, and uh, unfortunately, COVID uh, uh, and, the, and, the, and the repercussions from COVID dismantled uh, the trip uh, he was going to make over here to see his dad get in, uh, inducted into the big Hall of Fame. Uh, and I was planning on being there with them, too. So he's been a big part of my family for a long time. I, I got to Zoom with them over, over Christmas uh, and, and, and connect with them and their family and, and, and John and, and his little brother, Matt, and their and their wives and kids. And it's been great. You know, um, I was, I played in a fantasy football uh, league with uh, Ted and his wife and, and, and all the kids and I came in last. So I've, I feel very, <laughs> very proud of that. Hey, let's stay with athleticism. Uh, you wore number 72 at Burroughs, if I remember a linebacker and you actually were pretty good at collisions. If you put on a few more pounds, you could have played in college. Yeah, I, I had a pretty good frame. I I, I ran about one ninety five and about six foot one in in, um, in high school, which was pretty big for a two A school. You know, we didn't have we didn't have the, the the growth hormones that they put in milk and eggs these days. So we, <laughs> we were sort of normal size back then. That's probably about a, the average eighth grader these days. But uh, we uh, we were really good, and we, we had an amazing facility there at Burroughs. And uh, again, for a two A school, we 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 
we played pretty hard and uh, we had great coaches. Uh, Jim Lemon was the coach and athletic director for years there and a great friend of mine still. Um, and I, I just, you know, had a wonderful time, uh, all athletics, football, baseball, you know, when, when you, uh, when you, uh, take the time to really, um, participate and, and, and learn from a team, team sport, it, it really teaches you a lot. And, and I took a, a lot away from it. And that's why I, I still love playing sports to, today. I wish my body would love it as much as my head does. So we know that Hollywood has been affected by the pandemic, but you have movies coming out left and right in the near future. First of all, Top Gun, I hear visually it's just off the charts. It's gonna it's gonna leave a lot of people with their with their minds blown. I think I got a I got a, the good fortune to see it over the summertime. They they opened a theater for us and we all had to sit fifteen feet apart and, and wear masks and everything. But we got to see it on the big screen, which is the right way to see it. It's it's really visually stunning and and I think people will be will be really moved by the story as well. They uh, Tom and and Jerry Bruckheimer and the director uh, Joe Kozanski did a great job of of um, really balancing the, the nostalgia for the for the first one which obviously we all have especially those of us of a certain generation and and, and then the ability to continue the story on in real time and and it, it it uh it does a great job of that so if you're a fan of the first one you'll like it but it's it's not imperative that you even know the first one to enjoy this movie because it's just a it's just a thrill ride and then the reboot of fletch you playing the role of chevy chase this is going to be off the charts well, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't shot that one yet. That's uh, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, depending on what happens in the world, which we all have to we have to preempt everything by saying that. But um, well, hopefully we'll be shooting in, in New York uh, in May. Uh, it's uh, it's not so much a remake as it is kind of a, a rebooting of the whole series. There were 11 novels that Gregory McDonald wrote back in the 70s and 80s uh, that, that featured the character I am Fletcher that we all uh, love and that Chevy portrayed so well. And, and I think we're going to try to take it back a little, uh, you know, bring some of that same uh, humor to it, obviously, because you can't get away from that. Uh, but let Chevy's version be Chevy's version and, and hopefully put our own stamp on it. And, and if it succeeds and people, people like it, um, then we got a few more books to hopefully adapt. And, and if not, well, on to the next one. But uh, I think people are going to be excited. What sports movie would you like to see made in the near future? I always thought that you'd be ideal in the Kurt Warner movie, but I think they've already cast it. But anything jumping out at you in terms of a great sports movie down the road? Man, you know, I, it's 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 always a tricky thing. I, I've I've been a, a part of exactly one sports movie, A Million Dollar Arm, which I, I think was underrated and underseen. It was, it was a beautiful little movie. But uh, I, you know... It's, it's always tricky to say, like, do you ever want to see some of your favorite movies remade? You know, like, because, I mean, we just talked about Fletch. There's there's a perfect example. But, I mean, I would love to see, you know, uh, The Natural again or be in The Natural. Like, that's that was one of my favorite movies growing up. It was a great book, and it's an amazing, beautiful film. Um, you know, Field of Dreams, there's another one. But of the like current stories, I think there'd be a great movie in the in the uh, in the St. Louis Blues 19, uh, 2019 sure. run from worst to first. Uh, and I think obviously I'd have to play Jordan Bennington uh, <laughs> just because I'm so young and, and uh, limber. Uh, no, uh, you know, it would be I think I mean, that's you know, the, the funny thing about sports movies now is that we have such an outlet in, in telling those sports stories with the 30 for 30 franchise, too. And I think that's taken up a lot of the space. Uh, because sometimes, you know, certain stories are 
regional or niche or only appeal to a certain segment of the marketplace. But boy, those some of those 30, 30 for 30s have been spectacular. I remember in the in the deep pandemic, uh, waiting every Sunday with with bated breath for the new episode of The Last Dance when that came out. So I, I think that there's a lot of fortunately for sports fans, there's an awful lot of content out there to really get into. Speaking of the Blues, you were heavily involved in that run. You did an interview with Joe Buck with Jordan Bennington. I know you love the Cardinals, but would that have been your greatest St. Louis sports memory? Pretty much, just because it it doesn't really have a parallel. I mean, I have so many disappointing memories of being in in the old arena or the Keel Center, fill in the blank of any of the seven or eight uh, iterations of of buildings that they've played in over the years. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, we, us being the favorites and a, a bad bounce or a fluky goal or what, what have you, um, happening. And so to have all of those things go our way one year was, was pretty spectacular. And I, I mentioned Ted Simmons, his oldest son, he's my best friend, John, he was in Australia. And I remember calling him up and saying, you're going to get here for this. Cause I don't know if we're ever coming back again, but if, if you miss this, you'll kick yourself and. I made sure he got on a plane and, and was, was out here for at least a couple games of the, of the final. So it all turned out great for us. And I was so pleased, you know, I've, I've been so lucky to, to know a lot of the guys in the, in the organization and in the franchise and players and, and coaches and staff and, and broadcast. And, and it's, you know, I think everybody, everybody had a permagrin for about two weeks after that <laughs> happened. Well-deserved. You know, John, we always talk about the analytics of baseball and we talk about a team like the Rays who had this great success with a little payroll. Does that work in Hollywood? For instance, one of my all, all-time all favorite movies was The Town. And I believe that only cost like 35, 36 million to make. I mean, is that regarded as more of a success because it was so great and you did it relatively cheap? I think that there's obviously a lot of ways to skin a cat when it comes to that. You can you can be the Rays or you can be the Yankees, and they both had success. You know the 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 Marvel kind of world of quarter billion dollar movie that you know is going to be a worldwide hit because it's based on this self generating universe of characters that everybody knows has its place in the market. And and the other version of that, something like The Town, which is based on an amazing uh, uh, book can can also hit too you know a lot of people didn't know who jeremy renner was back then and a lot of people only knew me from television and they didn't you know they didn't know ben affleck was the going on to be the the award-winning director that he'd become and and sometimes you 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 uh you pull the handle and it comes up all sevens and i think that that's a perfect example of that but i think also you know we have this kind of brave new world of of distribution and content now where people can really look on Netflix and find things or, or Hulu or name your platform, Paramount, Peacock, God, there's a million of them. And they can find something that they'll like with, with someone they may have never heard of. Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden they've got, you know, a weekend's worth of entertainment that they can go through. So I'm all for it. I think it's great. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll miss going to the movies and I'll look forward to the day when we go back to going to the movies. But until then, uh, I'm just fine with uh, browsing my, my various platforms, which sounds <laughs> kind of dirty. <laughs> so your parents didn't live long enough to see your success. Are there ever times or do you ever dream, I wish my mom or dad 
would have been able to walk into a movie theater and see me on the big screen. Do you ever think about that at all? Oh, every day, every day, every, every day since I got my first job on TV, which was a few years back, um, <laughs> a lot of years back these days. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, it's, it's what is success if you can't share it with people you love? I mean, that's just a, that's just a simple, simple, straightforward adage. But you know, the funny thing about family is you, you, you tend to, especially when you lose family so early on, you tend to find uh, surrogate people who, who take the place and, and Ted and Marianne Simmons were, were certainly that for me and Bud and Susie Wilson, another great St. Louis family, um, Carolyn and Ernie Clark, you know, the, the list goes on and on, my aunts and uncles and cousins. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I wish that they were here to, to participate in my success, but I'm also, I'm also feel very lucky to have, have gotten to where I've gotten coming from where I came from. So we see the finished product in Hollywood and all the movies you've starred in. But I'm wondering how scary the beginning was. I interview a lot of athletes and some of them say, I envisioned this success. I knew this was gonna happen. Did you know this was gonna happen? Well, I hoped. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, the, the, the difference between athletes and, and actors or, or any kind of entertainers is by the time most athletes reach the pros, let's say, or even division one, they've, they've been pretty much the best player on every team that they've ever been on or, or, or top five, you know, they're, they're, you don't, you don't get to the next level without being essentially the best. And that's, there's kind of one definition of that. And it's pretty much look at the scoreboard, you know, like that, that's what it is with, with acting and, and, and certain other kinds of performing arts. There's not really a, it's kind of a up to the beholder in many, in many ways, and it's up to your own personal taste. So, I certainly hoped I had a shot, you know, coming from St. Louis to LA is, is a pretty much a quantum leap in uh, market size to say the least, not to mention competition. And I remember the first seven or eight or 10 or 20 auditions I went on thinking like, well, I, I'm, this is, the numbers are just too, too, you know, vast for me to overcome. But after a while, you know, you kind of settle in and you understand like anything else, you learn the ropes and, and you and you come to have believe in your confidence and your and your self-worth and it and it starts paying dividends and for me it took about three years which is you know i think pretty average honestly i i feel like i i gave myself a realistic goal and and i was fortunate enough to meet it every athlete has a moment or a stretch that changes the course of their career like jordan bennington that rookie year for you it was madman for sure you could look at I think you can look at Bennington. You can look at Kurt Warner, you know, uh, coming out of the Arena League. You can you can look at uh, even someone like Yachty, you know, uh, establishing what he can do. And then look at Tom Brady. I mean, he was the backup for yeah. for years, you know, and and all of a sudden he's the he's the greatest. I I do not I've, I've established my dislike for the New England franchises, which is. Uh, well told, but uh, I, you can't deny the man's success, and 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 I I you got to give it up. And that dude was a backup too, you know. And and so when you get your opportunities to be able to to really achieve when you when they're presented to you, and not fall back on excuses and 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 to work every day to get to get better and better and better. I think that anybody that's succeeded in any professional aspect has that uh, mantra. All right, 10 quickies before we let you go. No hedging. Where were you exactly 
when David Freeze had his moment in game six? Uh, which moment, the, the tie or the win? Uh, I mean, there was there, that, that game was so crazy. When Freeze hit the home run, I, was, I had just gotten to my friend's house when, when, uh, when it was tied up in the ninth. Uh, I was at work shooting Mad Men. Then when they retied it in the 10th, I was on my way to uh, my friend's house. And then when he hit the home run, I had just gotten in the door. I said, what's happening? <laughs> and 30 <laughs> seconds later, he hit the home run and it was outstanding. And that, cause my friend in, in this particular story is a big Chicago Cubs fan. So I was, I was able to high five him a few years later. In fact, I got him a ticket to the world series. So that was pretty cool. One catcher for 10 years, Ted Simmons or Yadier Molina. Well, I can't not say Teddy. I mean, uh, Yachty is is obviously a catcher for the modern era, but but Ted's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He he handled a, a, quite a few amazing uh, pitching staffs over his years. One of the greatest switch hitters that, uh, especially at that position, that uh, that the league has ever seen. So, out of familiar respect, I'll take Ted Simmons. No acting in this world, you would have done what? By the way, I have I have his uh, rookie card. That's a. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's a paper mache version of it, but it's pretty cool. I like uh, Sim- I like Simba, by the way, with the real long hair. Wasn't that a cool? Yeah, yeah, guy? yeah. That was that was his rookie card. That was when he was high and tight. He had yeah. you know, still had the had the college haircut. All right. So, uh, no acting in this world. You would have done what? Uh, I would probably have been some sort of educator. My the, the teachers in my life meant so much to me. I, and we talked earlier a little bit about you know when you don't have parents, you 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 look for any kind of uh, figures that provide leadership and stability. And those for me were a lot of my teachers and they meant so much to me, coaches as well. Um, so that's probably what I would have, uh, steered toward. Um, or I just would have been a bartender for the rest of my life. Probably (laughs) favorite restaurant or bar to hang in St. Louis in St. Louis. Um, well, I used to be Cardwell's cause I worked there and I knew everybody. Uh, but that recently closed, and, and then the one in Frontenac finally closed. So I think it's probably – is it Barnapoli, the place in, oh, yeah. in Clayton? Yeah, those those guys are pretty great if you want something fancy. And then uh, OB's, I guess OB Clark's is another another good hang uh, if, you want, if you want a little something less fancy. The actor or actress that intimidated you the most, probably early in your career? Um, you know – I wouldn't say intimidated more than I was really excited to work with. And I'd, I'd have to say uh, Jeff Bridges. I just recently got to work with a couple years back on a movie called Bad Times at the Air Royale. And it certainly wasn't intimidating, but it was very exciting. I, I, he's been a fan. I, I've been a fan of his for forever. And, and I got a chance to meet him a couple times over the years. And it's one of the few cases I've ever really been starstruck and kind of stammering and stumbling. But he couldn't have been a nicer man, and and uh, he's going through a little health scare right now. But I think he's he's gotten ahead of it. So uh, prayers to him, and and I hope he's he's on the mend. But uh, uh, yeah, if any if there's any um, up and coming actors that really want to watch someone's career, there's there's few better than Jeff Bridges to look at. I know there's a lot to choose from, but your best bit, your best bit of acting, in TV or on the big screen, what do you think you were best at? Yeah, that's a hard one to say, especially because it is so, um, it is so, you know, specific to, to the viewer, but I'll, I I think I was pretty good in Mad Men. I I, I gotta say, I don't, I can't point to one exact thing, but I think taken as a whole, I I was, I was okay. I'm, I'm okay with saying that I was okay with it. 
I got a few awards here that other people seem to think that I was okay too. Who has a better chance to win a championship next, Blues or Cardinals? I think the way the Blues are stacked right now, the the Blues do. Honestly, I I uh, I'm very excited for their season. I think they got a lot of hungry young guys in that in that uh, locker room, and I think uh, I think O'Reilly's really going to be a a good guy to wear the C. I think I th- I hope Flatty gets I hope Flatty comes back to 100% because when he's 100%, as we saw in 2019, he's dangerous. Um, I, I think we're all going to miss Petrangelo. I think Krug's a good hire. Um, I, I, you know, I wish we could have kept 27, but that's the, that's the nature of the beast these days. Um, it's, a, it's a shame to see him go to a, a, such a close competitor like Vegas, but here we go. I think, I think this team's going to, going to have a real potential to make a lot of noise. And, uh, you know, obviously it all comes down to, to injuries and, and what have you, but, um, uh, we'll see, you know, the Cardinals, I don't know. The Cardinals kind of seem, this is the way I felt about them last year too. It was kind of like, it depends. If they if if the pitchers pitch and the hitters hit, we could be scary. But we didn't seem to have that confidence that that we had uh, in years past. So maybe a, another year of seasoning on everybody will do it. Um, and you know, I'm forever hopeful. I'm a Cardinal fan. What, and what exactly did you say to Roger Goodell at that Super Bowl party? And what was his reaction? I love this story. <laughs> I told him, "Hey, man, you took two franchises away from my city. What's going on? Can we get one back at least, please?" Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll just become a battle Hawks fan. I don't know. I started watching <laughs> that before the whole thing happened. That was pretty exciting. It was the first fun thing you bought when you were no longer struggling. Uh, the first fun thing I bought, I think I bought a really nice watch. I was in London on some sort of press situation and I had heard about this kind of fancy watch place and I didn't know anything about it, but, uh, I had seen a picture of this kind of cool watch that, very few people had had ever worn. This was back in, I think, in this pre, maybe 2000. Uh, a brand called Panerai. And it was an Italian kind of cool watch that had big <laughs> numbers on it. No one had ever seen them before. They're super popular now. But uh, but I bought it and it was so expensive. I mean, it was more expensive than like six months rent uh, at my place. But I, I had the money and I knew I was making money. Uh, so I bought it and I still have it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm glad I do. It, it remains a, a very proud kind of purchase of mine. Final thought. Let's say you're in St. Louis one day and there's a father walking with his son. The father obviously recognizes you and knows who you are. And the son says, dad, who is that guy? What would you want the dad to tell the son? Uh, uh, He's a good, he's a good St. Louisan. He's a, he's a proud St. Louisan. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for pride of place, especially in a place like St. Louis. I, I had the good fortune to recently do a, a movie in um, Detroit and it, for whatever reason, Detroit reminded me a lot of St. Louis. There's, you know, it's gone on some hard times. It's kind of come through it and, and it seems to be on the upswing. And I, I got a little like, hopeful in the sense of like, I really hope that St. Louis has that capacity. And I think it does. I think with the addition of the, of the soccer team and, and how, how the, the community really seems to be binding together. And, and it is things sometimes like sports that, that are able to kind of tip that balance. You know, I really think 2019 and the blues, I was downtown for one of the uh, final games and NBC was in town and the whole arena was buzzing and the Cubs were in town. So the whole stadium was buzzing and, uh, it had been a long, long time since I had seen 
so many people so happy to be bombing around St. Louis and having a good time. So I think that things like this can really uh, tip the balance. And, and I, I remain optimistic that St. Louis's best days are ahead of them. And uh, I hope to be part of them, honestly. Like, I, I love the town. I love coming. I love being from there. I love coming home. And, um, yeah, I guess that's that's what uh, I hope he would say. He's like, there's a, there's a proud St. Louisan who, who, who loves it here. So That'll do it for this week's episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as rate and review. We'll be back next week, and so will the Blues. Have a good week, everybody.